Hello and welcome to Resolutions, a podcast about dispute resolution and prevention. For those of you listening for the first time, this podcast is a new project created by the ABA section of Dispute Resolution, and I am one of three hosts having a conversation with members of the dispute resolution community about topics of interest in the field. My name is Reka Rangachari. I'm the Executive Director of the New York International Arbitration Center, or NIAC, and prior to that, I worked with the American Arbitration Association and its international arm, the International Center for Dispute Resolution, as both case counsel and director. I'm also currently co-chair of the Young Professionals Committee of this section. This week in resolutions, we're talking with Forrest Woody Mostyn. Woody, thank you so much for joining us. I'm honored, Rika. Thank you. For those tuning in, by way of brief background, Woody has been in private mediation and private practice since 1979. He is both a mediator and collaborative attorney, as well as a certified family law specialist. And so let's begin um, right at the outset. As a collaborative attorney, Woody, can you tell us what does that mean? How many days do you have, Rika? Uh, <laughs> so in i can tell you the technical and then i can go beyond let's do that the technical definition of a collaborative attorney is an attorney who on the case in which the both parties and both lawyers sign a four-way agreement the two lawyers are disqualified completely from ever handling that matter in an adversarial um, uh, way uh, or going to court representing those clients. Of course, the parties always have the right to go to court, but not with those same lawyers. Now, um, collaborative practice has expanded to include a interdisciplinary team when the clients agree um, of therapists and financial professionals. And um, those professionals are also disqualified if the matter goes to court. So it's a way of keeping the uh, family matter, and it can be in other civil issues as well. I currently am uh, representing someone in a very large probate case. Um, but to keep it in a safe, confidential container that allows the parties to decide what they want to do in resolving their um, issues um, and not necessarily uh, uh, in a public court forum limited by the uh, remedies and the parameters of the court system. Now, the other aspects of collaborative practice are maybe just as um, fascinating and inspiring. For example, both lawyers have a duty to be respectful to the other side with the same level of respect that they would be with their own client. We have the duty never to take advantage of another's mistakes, ever, to be transparent in all of our interactions have voluntary um, disclosure of relevant financial and other um, uh, legal 
information that are necessary for the agreement. And to be able to use, um, uh, to be able to use the very best of um, uh, interest-based negotiations as opposed to positional jo uh, uh, jostling. It's an awful lot to uh, talk about, but that's the overview. No, and I appreciate that because I wanted to be clear, you know, for those of us not working, perhaps in family law, this concept of collaborative mediation um, is one that's very thoughtful. Um, and I, I'd like to say that in all of our different avenues of law that we practice, we try to incorporate this, but that it's actually a brand um, and a way of practicing um, is really intriguing. So is it, is it fair to say, um, as we look to the council um, for each party, that it's, it's as if it's a shift, a reimagining from them serving as advocates and instead to serve, serving as consultants? Uh, yes. Uh, full consultants, meaning the counseling, the legal counseling that a lawyer does with one's client is the, the essence of any client relationship, and it certainly is in the, the collaborative uh, practice. For example, there's a rule, and then one of the rules is that both lawyers have to have a lawyer. Both clients have to have a lawyer. Sure. Lawyers, um, uh, are part of the problem-solving team. And it's a um, very different approach. And I can, I can tell you, if you would go on to any of the websites of collaborative practitioners, you're gonna find some very satisfying people. There's, for example, a, um, a free uh, collaborative um, listserv on Yahoo groups and one, one could join free of charge. Um, you mentioned that there's a sort of a thought that it's mostly family. Um, our section actually has um, one of the leaders, or two of the leaders in civil collaborative law. One is Larry Maxwell, um, and he's from Texas. Um, and Sherry Abney, A-B-N-E-Y, who has written a seminal book in this field. In Dallas, there's a international conference on civil collaborative practice. So it's a, it's a growing and very vibrant field. Fantastic. So, um, and, and thanks for that update. Um, good to know that it is indeed in, in all avenues, actually, of the law. Um, how do parties find um, a collaborative mediator if they're looking for one? Well, is it all right if I break down the question? Please. I mentioned collaborative mediator. There are different roles. The collaborative lawyers are not neutrals. They are not mediating the situation. They are representing their clients just like real lawyers. <laughs> they are real lawyers. <laughs> they um, uh, have all of the uh, ethical and professional responsibilities of other lawyers, and quite often, um, the collaborative lawyers work with a mediator. And that's when I'm mediating, I'll encourage clients to hire collaborative lawyers so they can treat, I can work with them as allies as opposed to having lawyers who um, 
are not as familiar with the mediation process. Um, and they can find those um, collaborative lawyers um, in almost every state um, because there's now actually a uniform collaborative uh, law act. Uh, and uh, I happen to like the initials UCLA, uh, but I won't stress that right now. Um, there is an international uh, organization called IACP, the International Academy of Collaborative Professionals, www.collaborativepractice.com. And in fact, on Wednesday, early morning, I'm headed um, uh, to Chicago for the, for the uh, annual uh, networking forum of collaborative professionals. Well, I, I want to underscore that web address um, for those that are looking to get more involved with collaborative practice, www.collaborativepractice.com, um, as well as the IACP that Woody mentioned. Um, how often in the cases that you um, serve as mediator for, do you find interdisciplinary teams involved? How often do clients consent to that? Quite often. Um, I would say in my practice, um, uh, very, very much, um, uh, probably over 50%, well over 50%, there's a member of the team that is interdisciplinary. That may be a co-mediator who's a therapist or financial professional. It could be a consultant or a, an expert, um, but it's, it's not the outlier. It's um, more um, of the uh, uh, appropriate way of handling a very complex dispute of which law is only a, um, a fraction of the reasons why there are disputes and what is necessary to get the, get the matter uh, settled. Does cost, um, does cost frequently enter into this discussion in terms of talking about interdisciplinary teams, right? Because arguably the more people present to help in the process, the more the cost increases. It depends how you compare the cost. If you're comparing it with a non-mediation, mediative or collaborative solution, um, that, that ends up in court, that's an easy comparison. Sure. Um, uh, always much less. If you compare it, with two lawyers and two clients, I would say often mediation, it doesn't save any money, but it could very well save a family or a business. And in that, um, I don't try to um, sell mediation uh, or collaborative practice just on uh, lower cost, although I believe generally does save people money, but I do it with the amount of time that you can resolve things, the, the quality of the resolution, the deepness of the agreement so that the, 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 the actual uh, deal is not built on sand, or um, if this has ever happened to you, Rika, that um, it settles on the courthouse steps or in the hall just before she's about to bang her gavel. Um, <laughs> those are not quality settlements generally. They're done based on duress and coercion 
because and time being of the essence, I guess, right? <laughs> Courthouse steps. I, mean. I said, and time being of the essence in light of that uh, sort of weighty gavel falling or being at the courthouse steps, indeed. And it's not just the time, it's the fact that they lose all control. Sure. They're offered a deal at the end after they've been spending a fortune in preparing a case and they settle and they settle out of exhaustion and out of pressure. And I happen to believe that um, uh, having a, uh, uh, the reflection and the informed consent of mediation offers that and collaborative practice as, as very, very um, uh, important options for clients. And that's how, as a lawyer, um, I uh, help my own clients make decisions. And cost is one of them, and it's important, but these other factors are important too. So let's go in a slightly different direction. Um, Woody, you, you wear lots of hats in the practice. And so I know one of um, the items that you also do is to run trainings. And so a two-part question therewith, um, can you suggest three tips uh, for mediators to serve as umpires? And then looking to the counsel that are, are also present, three tips for counsel as they come into a room um, before they begin a mediation. So let's review it. The first tip is what? Three tips you can offer to mediators as umpires um, as they're going into a mediation. Um, in light of all the trainings that you're doing, I'm sure there are a lot of takeaways. You mean umpires between the lawyers? Uh, and between the clients. Well, can I reframe the question? Am I allowed? Sure. Um, we have lots of other options other than being umpires. Um, okay, let's go through them. What are the other options? Oh, I believe uh, being designers of a process that incorporate the um, participation of the lawyers and the parties and gets them prepared. Um, the management of the conflict before there is even any negotiation on a deal. For example, most of the people throw away their money, and I'm saying that consciously, by um, spending all the pre-trial money uh, for uh, discovery disputes and uh, legal issues, um, when those issues can be mediated by a good manager of a process, a mediator who understands that and has been trained that way as I, in my advanced trainings. Then, um, We've got uh, a number of um, uh, strategies that a mediator can use um, to deflect some of the adversarial nature of, of the case. For example, um, quite often people will have good, good faith disputes on valuation of a business or a piece of real estate or another asset, okay? They just see it in a different way. So um, many, many uh, lawyers just sort of suggest, all right, either A, um, take it to trial where each side is gonna get a, um, their own, their own uh, appraiser or expert, or that they get a 
a full-blown appraisal, one that often will cost more than all the lawyers combined um, in a business. Um, in 1991, I wrote an article called the Confidential Mini Evaluation. It is a process where the mediator can facilitate a um, bringing in an expert, doing it in an expedited way, maybe sometimes the next day or the next week, at a fraction of the cost, confidential, and the people come in and they hear an expert. So they they hear an and they hear they hear a number. Now they can go to court and get try to get a different number, but they don't have any likelihood they're going to have anything different. They do know it'll cost them a lot more money. So using something like that will be a major, major difference for mediators. Let me give you one more, which I bet you are very familiar with, as are most of the, um, actually two more. <laughs> You're going to get me started, but we'll have a lot to talk about. The first is the use of apology. And the second is the use of a um, mediator settlement proposal. I'm going to go on the limb and I'm going to say most beginning mediation trainings, since I've studied them, I can tell you, do not teach either of those in any great extent. And to, to, to be able to have the nuance and the confidence of the parties to be able to do a process of, um, of apology and of um, a mediator recommendation that still allows for parties to continue having input is very, very important. And it takes a lot of training and practice. And in my uh, advanced and um, uh, master classes, those are the things that I work with. In fact, I have a math, I have a, uh, advanced class just coming up uh, next month on November 15th, 16th in San Diego, where all my trainings are, unless I'm invited to train um, in someone's community. Okay. Um, you know, it's interesting. The comment that you made about this confidential uh, expert valuation and the mediator bringing that person in, it's a conversation we have in a lot of other circles, including in international commercial arbitration, expert appointed arbitrators, um, although um, not per se confidential, uh, but as a means to start out uh, without party appointed experts and the tribunal really getting to the core of what the issues are. So um, it's always good to see that we have confluence as we go between different fields in the law. I wanted um, to touch upon as well, you know, another one of your hats. Um, I recognize that you're also uh, a, an illustrious author of six books, no less. And so a question on, um, on that, if you can offer to the audience how you pick your topics, um, as well as what do your books zero in on? Okay, well, thank you. Um, you know, Having a book is a little like uh, having a baby. You're, you're very, you work on it a long time, you're very proud, and hopefully it's got a long shelf life. So um, 
maybe I'll go from uh, my beginning books all the way um, to uh, uh, the current the current book that came out. Um, the last three books that I've done are published by the ABA Family Law Section. They gave me a three book deal, and um, I'm at the end. My first book was actually published between the family law section and the, uh, the uh, uh, practice management section in 1996. It was called uh, The Complete Guide to Mediation. And at that, at that time, it was a sort of a general, overall uber look at the field from the perspective of mediators and lawyers and um, how to build a practice, how, what were some of the key, what were the key uh, uh, skills? So it was, it was an overall book. Um, it's actually, they don't make them anymore. They're, they're eight by 10, they're big books. Uh, <laughs> um, and I've got a few, but it's not in print. So my next book, was in um, 1999. It was called Unbundled Legal Services, and it was published by the Law Office Management Section, which is very interesting because, as you know, the Law Office Management Section has their their key their key goal. In addition to competence, is lawyers making money. So this is a way of expanding legal access by offering discrete task services as opposed to the full service package. I think it would require another, I mean, um, another long time to discuss this. Um, it's the legal access uh, um, uh, area that the, has been approved by the Board of Delegates of the ABA. There are, um, there are unbundling friendly laws in over 40 states. Um, it's legal in all 50 states, and it, it includes um, a lot of ghostwriting, um, drafting documents for clients on a limited task basis. You just don't do the whole job, the client does part of it, and you do part of it. So that's a quick overview on that. In 2001, I published with Wiley a book called the Mediation Career Guide. And it was geared for people who wanted to not only to be competent, but to make a living doing mediation. And I must tell you, it's been my bestseller. I mean, that still has legs and, and is still um, on the market. Um, I then had a number of years where I um, didn't uh, publish a book. And then we had, um, the last three books um, that I'm talking that started in 2015, six, um, 17, and 18. In 2015, I published a book um, which was the follow-up second edition to Complete Guide to Mediation, but it's an entirely different book. It's not the overall view of mediation. It is the role of the lawyer in helping clients around the mediation table. And that is the, because the, there aren't many books on that, and that is um, limited and focused on that. In 2017, 
um, uh, I wrote a book with my same co-author as, as uh, the second edition of Complete Guide. That's Elizabeth Potter Scully. And we wrote a very comprehensive on, on bundled legal services, um, which as you can tell is like 20 years after my first book, a lot of, a lot of um, new and, and uh, important developments and a lot of forms are in that book. And then last year, um, Adam Cordover of, of Tampa, a really rising star, um, and I wrote a book, which is an anthology of how to build a successful uh, collaborative practice, and the ABA Family Law section published that. And so that's kind of the overview. But frankly, um, uh, people can go on my site. They don't have to buy my books. There's lots of articles, and most of them are free. Some of them are on, the, on, the, on my site, and others you can get through various uh, sources. I'm going to do a pitch here for you, Woody. So for those tuning in, um, three topics to zero in on here that you can find on Woody's site. Um, and I'll, I'll give you that, uh, that link. It is www.mostonmediation.com. Um, you can go there to learn more about unbundled legal services, the mediation career guide that Woody talks about, as well as building a collaborative practice. So do give his site a Google if you're curious to learn more. Woody, I see that we are running just about at time. And so I wanted to cede you the floor to, to offer any final comments before we close out here. Well, I've got one and it's about you. You're the head of, um, if I heard the young uh, professionals in dispute resolution. Did I hear that right? I am co-chair of that committee. Yes. I cannot think of a, a better place to put uh, energy and uh, training and opportunity than um, uh, with you and your colleagues. Um, many people got into mediation and still do and collaborative practice as a alternative to retirement they got tired of litigating and they said oh this will be this will be better and it is better in my view um but when you start that at 50 55 60 65 you have fewer years to really develop the skill set and the practice there and so when i'm teaching at ucla i'm always looking for the young blood I cannot imagine people taking jobs that they hate and carrying water for mentors that they don't instead of doing what they want to do, which is making peace and, and uh, resolving disputes. So I give you and your committee incredible amount of credit. And um, in fact, I, for that, for that um, uh, training that's coming up, I just um, gave a scholarship to the Orange County Collaborative Group, but the scholarship had two criteria. One, the person be young, <laughs> and second, <laughs> second, diverse. And we have a wonderful woman who is taking up on that scholarship. On That's fantastic, fantastic. And we need more of that. You know, um, 
I'm going to say, um, <laughs> first, now I understand the reference earlier in this podcast to the Uniform Collaborative Law Act or UCLA uh, being uh, um, of personal sentiment to you, liking that acronym. <laughs> um, yes. but next, you know, I really embrace um, the sentiment that you just put forward. I, I do think it's a conversation amidst the young professionals we have often um, that spearheading um, an alternative dispute resolution practice encompassing mediation, arbitration, and everything in between has to start now. Um, and we can start young through um, different um, court annexed uh, mediations and arbitrations with pro bono clients. Um, but there are always avenues towards that. And so it's really delightful to hear that you share that sentiment as well. And I think what better note to end on than that. And so allow me, Woody, to thank you for joining me today. I thank our listeners as well for joining us. Um, and until the next installment of Resolutions, I'm Reka Ringachari. Thanks very much and goodbye all.